0: The people in life are countless. So we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Sidequests and sidequests. And sidequests and and sidequests. Episode 115, Daisy and the Crescent's Edge welcome to sidekicks and side quests The Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado That's right we're building a world one character at a time. I am your host Kurt Crenwogi, the bardic Paladin and I'll be joining Scarlet 64's table in the levitating platter) <laughs> Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best unofficial Dungeons and Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. I've got an awesome guest for you this week, but before we get to my mystery contestant, I have to do the ad read from Plus One EXP. Of course, you know by now, Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this awesome brand. He's got all of the things that you'll need if you are in the market for some beard balms, lip balms, game design, and just fun community building. Tony has developed several uh, different kinds of beard balms that you can apply. And if you can't yourself, then these make great gift ideas for those people in your life who do have beards. You know, just imagine it now, adding a plus one to your strength, your dexterity, or your charisma just by applying a beard balm. Of course, Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to foment and foster this idea of a brand in Tony's head. Uh, And through this, Tony has been able to collaborate and develop several other TTRPG products, including Repugnant, I Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Staining, just to name a few. If you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something on their website or going to their itch page or the like, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Ford program which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators. And by this point now, RPG Zine Club should be live, which is his new subscription service. So it allows you to stay in the know, have your finger on the pulse of what's new happening and hot in the indie TTRPG scene. And you can change your frequency of how often you'd like to receive zines and uh, be able to engage with the community and give feedback and also help indie tabletop content creators get their games into the hands of people sooner rather than having to go through a whole pledge funding kickstart funding what you know the words i'm trying to say it gets games into your hands a lot faster which is what we love so i would highly encourage you to follow tony and plus one exp on all of the socials twitter facebook youtube twitch and be sure to join the Discord server as well in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, some of their interesting programming, as well as actual plays of some of these amazing indie TTRPGs. So if you don't mind, when you go to the website, plusoneexp.com, you see that affiliate code box, and you're like, I don't know what code to put in, and I don't have honey, and I need something to put in that box, you should put in Randolph, R A N. D-O-L-P-H like in episode number two and when you do that you're going to get a discount on your purchase and you're going to give uh, just the tiniest and humblest of kickbacks to me which I would certainly appreciate so again that website is plus1exp.com. and without further ado hello mystery contestant would you care to introduce yourself tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do?
1: Hi, I am Scarlet64. I am a content creator, primarily a Twitch streamer, with a focus on Dungeons & Dragons, but I have been bleeding into other TTRPGs, kind of broadening my horizons. I make TikTok content, uh, I'm moving into YouTube, and pretty much I'm just a, I guess I'm a professional dungeon master.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is just basically DM one game and you're like, yep, professional. Got it. Locked in.
1: I mean, it pays the bills. Is that is that not the definition?
0: <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. How I first came across you is as I've been growing my podcast on platforms such as like Instagram and Threads, I started seeing you pop up in the reels and recommendations and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then uh, I pulled up Twitch one day and then I saw you were recommended there. And then I just you you saw me like pop in real quick and you were like, hey, how's it going? I was like, oh, hey, I follow you on Instagram and I do this podcast. you were like, oh, cool. Tell me about it. And then I gave you like the quick elevator pitch and you were like sold.
1: I, when I hear people find me on Instagram, it makes me so like happy because I almost gave up on that platform. I was moving into TikTok, uh, just because it's short form videos are so easy to make and becoming a new mom has like limited the time that I have to make content. So I, TikTok really started like keeping me afloat from a content creator Uh, perspective. And people were encouraging me to post on Instagram too. And my Instagram at that point was kind of dead. But I was like, okay, fine, I'll start doing it. And so I just started double posting. And pretty soon, Instagram kind of rekindled its love of me, I guess, because I started getting more follows and and more traffic on that platform than I was even on TikTok. So now I, I'm pretty good at posting to both. I try to remember to post to YouTube Shorts, but I haven't put in the effort there yet, so I don't see much, and so it's hard to like be motivated to post over there, but well, that'll change eventually.
0: Well, see, I feel like my elder millennial is showing because it's like, yeah, Shorts, that's something that I know exists, And you encouraged me to like really go forward with the YouTube thing because the headliner app program that I use is really good at uh, converting the podcast RSS feed into actual uh, YouTube videos where it doesn't have any video. It just has like a little waveform that moves. Oh, I
1: actually was I the one because I don't I didn't even know that was a thing. Are you sure that was me? (laughs)
0: Well, I think I may have just mentioned of like, oh, I think I'm going to start trying to do this. And you were like,
1: oh, I was like, post it to you. yeah yeah yeah. um and i am also an elder millennial but i only know about youtube shorts because it's my job to know about youtube Shorts.
0: sure i know it (laughs) of it as well uh coincidentally as well but yeah that's still something that like it took me this long until like spring of 2023 to be like Maybe it's time for the podcast to be on Instagram because it's for the longest time. I just didn't think that podcasts were a thing on Instagram because it's all about beautiful pictures of beautiful people doing like uh, scantily cla- whatevers <laughs> and workouts and, and, you know, thirst traps or whatever the, the kids say nowadays.
1: That's why I wasn't posting to Instagram is because I just don't have the energy to be thirsty. But I uh, it turns out that there is actually a pretty big reels community there and i've grown pretty significantly in fact i think the majority of my new traffic to twitch which is where i make my money is from instagram mm. even more so than tiktok which i find very surprising i have more followers on tiktok mm. but just keep yeah keep posting every look every every new viewer is so valuable and you are so welcome and awesome we're so happy to have you thank you for giving us your time
0: well, there you go. Yeah, so that was certainly the encouragement that uh, I needed for this <laughs> evening. So thank you. Well, coincidentally, at the time of this recording, I just checked it earlier. We're eight downloads away from hitting ninety four hundred total downloads for the podcast. So we're we're wow. chugging along, you know, in our fourth season here. So I feel like you've already alluded to it beautifully. But do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before?
1: Uh, okay. This answer is going to kind of surprise you. I played my first game of D&D at the end of 2019.
0: Mm, okay.
1: I was talking about I've I've known about D&D forever. My brother when he was when we were little little kids, his best friend and his best friend's dads were like total D&D nerds. Never invited me to play with them cuz I'm a girl. Oh. And uh yeah, but I would sit and I would like kind of hear secondhand through my brother how it kind of worked like he would show me to the best of his he he was like eight i was like 10 Mm -hmm. uh so i started like making maps and creating characters i ended up coming up with my own like race class system based on my imagination and then would rope my other siblings in to make characters with me so i was always like on board i just didn't have anyone to play with until i was streaming one day on twitch Talking about how I never have played D&D, but I've always wanted to. And a handful of my viewers who were pretty regular to my channel were like, let's play. Let's just make a game and play. One of them was like, I'll be the Dungeon Master. And we set it up. We picked Sunday to play. And we have played D&D every single Sunday on my channel ever since.
0: Wow. That is a miracle to have a consistent (laughs) D&D group. That's amazing.
1: So I was the only one that was consistent. I just kept swapping people out as needed because I was like, well, I can count on me. I'm streaming every Sunday anyway. So um, obviously I say every single there's obviously been days that we've missed due to like real life instances. Sure. real Life happens. Yeah. That was always like the shtick. Like I went from being a player. The DM ended up not being very consistent. So I was like, I'll DM. So I learned how to DM after just like maybe eight or nine sessions of being a player and i've been stuck as the dm ever since.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, and so the name of this podcast is called Sidekicks and Side Quest. so we always like to ask the question of who happens to be your favorite npc or sidekick character, whether they be from one of your games, uh, another rpg or if not maybe a piece of literature, history, film, television, etc., and why is this character your favorite npc or sidekick character?
1: I thought about this question pretty hard i wanted to have a great answer and i think i have one but it was a hard one because when you think about what someone asks you even like what's your favorite game of all time that's a hard question to answer because different games have been important to you at different points in your life uh so i thought about it i thought about which character i was cared about the most the one i wanted to see succeed the one that like really captivated me that wasn't a main character Mm -hmm. and i have settled on the game legend of zelda twilight princess midna your i don't know if you've played that game midna i am a
0: zelda noob i know nothing other than the music
1: so midna is like your main link's main sidekick and she is this little imp that in the beginning of your relationship with her she's very much a tease she is kind of rude but playful but you need her so you have to tolerate her and as you go through the game you end up really caring about her and she starts warming up to you and there's even a moment when her life is in mortal danger and you think you're going to lose her And a very like famous Zelda song. There's this one piano piece that plays on loop as you're like desperately carrying her to the only person who can save her life. You'll all send you the link later. It's a beautiful song. It's called Midna's lament mm. and you save her. And then you finish throughout the rest of the game. And I'm not going to, I mean, it's an old game, but I won't spoil it at the very <laughs> end. There is this massive twist and she ends up being so important and so amazing. And just it's it's I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's beautiful. You care about her a lot. (laughs) Mm,
0: Okay, yeah. Other side of the equation now, what happens to be your favorite side quest, whether it's from an RPG, uh, whether it's from a video game, movie, film, television, B-plot, etc. And why does this side quest happen to be your favorite?
1: So I was not able to pinpoint one side quest, but I have to say the video game, uh, the Witcher three has a lot of side quests that are all fantastic. They all have a lot of depth. They all have a lot of importance. They have emotional, they all have a twist. They're very emotional. They really draw you in and, they really take great care and they're not just like, oh, go collect five bugs and come back. They lead you down a story path. So while I couldn't identify a single quest, I would say in general, the side quests in The Witcher 3 are a fantastic example of how a side quest can be.
0: Final question we have here in the personal interview section. What are you passionate about and why?
1: Well, I can't say D&D because I think that's kind of the whole reason I'm here uh <laughs> i think i'm <laughs> passionate about creation i am an artist a musician and D and ttr piece in general really kind of they empower that and so i think as long as i'm creating something that other people can enjoy and get emotion out of it that makes me very very happy
0: well we've had the wonderful opportunity to learn more about scarlet that i think it's time we head into npc creation. All right and npc creation is brought to you by you the podcast audience and our patrons from patreon so now is the time in the show where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah so to you our queen of the patreon katie downey aka goblin katie as well as my compadres ansa jablinski and nicholas cartarelli and then my parents we say cheers. So again, all these fine folks donate at least $2 or more a month. All of these fine folks belong to the wealthy level tier, which means they get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables that we use here in NPC creation, and you might get to hear some of their responses here today. And again, as I alluded to earlier, Katie Downey, Gobble Katie, she is the queen of our patreon because she's of the aristocratic tier and if you'd like to learn more about all these awesome rewards we have i would invite you to check the show notes below go to my podcast website or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and side quests to learn more about our tiers of membership in the patreon community help us expand our operations in the levitating platter in this demi plane and worlds beyond okay So this segment of the show is where we get to make up an NPC. The idea being that this is going to be someone awesome, that we're going to stick in our games, that other people are going to take and stick into their games. And so we begin the creation process by trying to determine, are we going to randomly generate a character? Do you have an idea you're bringing to the table? Are we doing a little bit of mix and match?
1: I think mix and match is a really fun idea. That way we can put our own personalities into the creation but we can let the die decide some of the elements to kind of give us some prompts
0: okay so as far as the items or criteria that you've already got determined for this character what is already kind of set in stone
1: so when i design npcs i typically design them as like quest givers That's kind of like the role that they play in my games. They uh, are the ones that kind of kick off the reason to go on an adventure. And because I'm usually like my big thing on social media is I am a total dragon nerd. Mm -hmm. I think dragons are my favorite part of Dungeons and Dragons. And I have made so many dragon NPCs. (laughs) Mm-hmm. they just make such good quest givers because they've got power they've got money they've got ambitions and they need minions and canonically they can exist across multiple worlds they have uh, this aspect of dragons and D is that they have echoes so the soul or personality of a dragon can exist in faerun but also in the world of Dragonlance. it's technically the same dragon Hmm. you know it's like a multiverse essentially you can make a dragon npc and so
0: it's like a variant situation with like loki it's like you have fazradoom in this realm and then this is fazradoom variant in this other realm and the variant in the other realm
1: so it's like a reoccurring character that you can drop into any game and it doesn't break the contingency interesting So I do this a lot with my games. I have a different various dragon NPCs that have established lore, but they appear in games that have nothing to do with each other.
0: So you've already kind of got the um, ancestry of our character today kind of locked in as far as like a dragon.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's do it.
0: That's the only like guardrails we're working with—the bumpers and the bowling lane.
1: Yeah, because from there we can decide: is it a benevolent dragon? Is it a malevolent dragon? Is it neutral? Uh, Is it young? Is it like? Yeah, there's so many, so many choices, and I get to flex some of my D and D dragon knowledge.
0: There we go. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, we we love to nerd out on this podcast. So we begin our character creation process. With a character name, and if you would like to roll a D20, that will start us off at the races.
1: Okay. 16.
0: 16. Oh, wonderful. Uh oh, so no. your name was provided by our previous guest and my niece, Lexi, Daisy.
1: Daisy? Okay, we can work with this.
0: Okay. And then the next question would be ancestry, but if you kind of need a little more time to percolate as far as what kind of dragon.
1: Well, here's the thing. Dragons can polymorph. So the ancestry that we're rolling for could be their preferred mortal guys.
0: Oh, interesting. Good point. Yeah. So if you want to roll for that randomly, that would be a D100.
1: Okay. I've got my... Let me grab my percentiles. I've been playing Call of Cthulhu, so I have my percentile dice ready to go. Okay. Here we go. 65...
0: 65 as I scroll down the list. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, so this is something that I've actually homebrewed, and this may be one of the few times that a homebrew thing of mine has come into play.
1: How exciting!
0: Yeah, so what this is because you know, there's cambians that exist in the game, like a half fiend, mm-hmm. half mortal. And so I was like, well, it has to make sense from a Manichaean power balancing perspective that there probably has to be some sort of equivalent half celestial and so i've named those aldatus a-l-d-a-t-u but essentially i think of this as like a half celestial kind of creature
1: okay so like even more celestial than an Asimar. the way a cambion is more fiendish than a tiefling
0: exactly yeah
1: okay yeah okay cool so i think so far that is going to push our dragon into one of the metallics but it depends on other traits too because it doesn't automatically go gold or silver you know there could be but i think we're gonna go with a metallic dragon if they're gonna take the form of an aldatu you know that sounds like they're probably gonna be pretty benevolent
0: okay all right i like that and then let's see, the next thing we get to roll for is what is the job or role in society that Daisy's going to have in her guise form, I suppose. And this would just okay. be a regular D10.
1: Okay. We've got eight.
0: Eight. Okay. Your answer was provided by previous guest, Katie D. Mateus. Trust fund baby.
1: it's her horde was given to her from her progenitor okay uh i'm writing this down on my cute little notebook
0: and then the next thing we roll for is the age range of daisy and this is done by rolling a d8
1: okay where is my d8 there it is
0: two two would be teenager
1: okay this is a young dragon
0: yep Sounds about right.
1: Not a wormling, Not an adult. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Daisy also sounds kind of like a a young nickname, doesn't it? Like her real name is Ferratis Stoxalon. But she goes by Daisy. (laughs)
0: Yeah, because it's easier for her minions to say.
1: (laughs) Exactly. She's still trying to get some minions. She's young. She's inexperienced. Her lair isn't. She has a little bit of a lair, but her Mm horde isn't quite established yet. She's got a couple more like decades to go.
0: Yeah. And so then with these key pieces of information already determined, when we think of Daisy, we think of Aldatu, disguise form with some kind of metallic dragon that's a teenager, trust fund baby. What is the physical description that comes to mind? So we're painting a picture of this NPC. What are we going to see?
1: Okay. I think that we would take her metallic form. We haven't decided. I, silver and gold are kind of like the most cliche, but if we think of her personality and depth, we could maybe branch off from that. Mm-hmm. But I think those elements could appear in her um, Aldatu form. I think when I think of Celestials, I think of them having those metallic shiny. They're They're very shiny, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that she would look humanoid, Possibly bigger than a typical humanoid human, mm. but have like marbly skin with yeah. metallic runes carved into her arms and her hair being having a metallic sheen. But she's young, so it's like in a, a high ponytail, you know, cheerleader esque. Mm.
0: The image I just got in my mind, uh, just because I'm thinking of my niece, Lexi, who suggested this name, I remember years ago now, because she's obviously older, but years ago, her being obsessed with the Trolls movie. And I know there's that one shiny metallic troll that I just, Uh for some reason, I just got a picture of that image, but obviously not like a, a cherubic baby sort of Aldatu, but a teenager one that's like, I'm not like a troll doll. I'm like a real uh, authoritative kind of person. Oh,
1: okay. She's a trust fund baby and she's a dragon. Dragons are very vain. They love money and they love showing their wealth. She dresses immaculately way more than any teenager should. She Mm. looks like daddy pays for her stuff. And she's probably still in contact with her. Like most dragons do become pretty independent once they reach a specific age. But it seems like she's still under the wing of her parents mm-hmm. uh who are kind of teaching her they you know she still has access to their hoard. she mm-hmm. dresses really nicely and even the benevolent dragons are va- they're still vain like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still part of the thing so yeah she's she's got gucci okay she's got versace
0: <laughs> private school or like a boarding yeah. school sort of vibe where it's like oh i have the uniform But I have like the most exclusive version of the uniform.
1: I think she attends a boarding school, but she has her own flat in the city. So if she's like living in Waterdeep, she lives in the uppity part of town and has a private chauffeur take her to her schooling, where Mm. the finest wizards are her tutors. And uh, I don't know if she would keep it a secret that she's a dragon or not. Uh, Metallic dragons don't have to keep it on the DL unless they want to, because people are pretty, exce- like, they're like, oh, they're a nice dragon, you know? Mm. They're they're nice. Now, if we made her, like, a silver dragon, she would be attending the school so she can learn how to better empathize with mortals because silver dragons really, really, really like hanging out with mortals. Yeah, party girl. Yeah, yeah, I think let's make her silver. So she has, like, silver hair, marbleized skin almost like granite does your aldatu have wings
0: i guess it depends like if uh inherited more of the celestial traits or not as opposed to the mortal traits for example i know like in a story that i made with one of my player characters i think i said they came across an aldatu character who had marble sort of colored skin because they worked in a place called the marble Arches.
1: Oh, this is like so perfect.
0: Yeah. And I described her kind of sort of looking like a Deva, but not fully. That's kind of like at least the baseline that I got. But I'm kind of loving this idea of like the silver hair, the marble skin, and maybe some of the silver runes or markings or uh, birthmark uh, striations or something that happens in in marble and stuff like that, maybe.
1: Maybe if she does have wings, maybe they look feathered, but they look like they're made of silver feathers. Like almost like statuesque. Okay. Um, Because she could be a little flashy. Maybe she hasn't learned to be discreet yet. Like Mm. she doesn't see why she has to pretend she's not what she is. She just takes a mortal form so she could fit inside the elevator better.
0: (laughs) Hanging out with a popular clique and everyone's like gravitating to her to be her friend.
1: Yeah. But she is still going to be uh, dragons at that age are trying to establish their own horde dragon magic is tied to their horde it was actually talked about it, it's from previous editions but canonically in Fizban's treasury of dragons mm-hmm. it specifies that a dragon's power is physically linked to their horde and you can actually like delevel level dragons by stealing their hoard, in mm. previous editions they would actually lose levels but in um this edition they essentially if their hoard drops beneath a specific value mm. like gold value they no longer get access to their lair actions so it actually weakens them so dragons are intrinsically linked to their wealth and every dragon even the benevolent ones want to amass a hoard. so interesting that- would be definitely a reason for her to employ adventurers
0: well that just goes to show what a bad DD player i am because i have the book and i haven't read that to know that it maybe it wouldn't necessarily personally for my home game necessarily work but i think that's a very interesting fun idea and certainly enforces the idea of why people go on these seriously dangerous missions uh, to steal from dragon hordes because it's like well we got to d level the dragon if we want to have one day of saving the village from being perpetually plundered
1: here's the thing while your players might think that's a nice idea dragons are not stupid and oh they sure ha- will usually set their hordes up in a way that it is totally unlikely that someone is going to make off with enough treasure to delevel level their lair Like they would be like, it's not coins. They don't have to have like, I think it was some weird. I don't remember off the top of my head. So let's just use the made up number of 20,000 gold just Mm -hmm. for the sake of this conversation. Sure. They would have the majority of that. They would have 50,000 gold in their lair with 30,000 of it is the value of the pillars that are holding the ceiling up. Like they know how to set this up in a way that it's virtually impossible to just take their lair away from them it's possible but it's very unlikely it's more of a the point of that in fizzbanes is to emphasize dragon's innate need to build a horde and how precious they are about it when you steal it you're stealing their power and they do not like that and they will not suffer that. So I think the point wasn't to suggest you should go and try this technique in order to get rid of lair actions. It's like way more complicated than it needs to be. I think it was just to really hammer home the idea that dragons and their treasure are one.
0: Interesting. Although that did set up a very cool sort of, you know, if you're looking for some sort of absurd sort of one shot or just mini series or something like that, of like, you have to ally the least likely allies. You get, you know, mind flayers, you get all these different groups who wouldn't normally team up. And it's like, okay, we need the Zorn to chew through the rocks. And then we need them to come up from underground and start draining the ultimate heist. Yeah. It's like an ancient dragon. And it's like, This ancient dragon is making life awful for everyone in this area. So we teamed up with the bad guys and the neutral guys and the good guys to pull (laughs) off the ultimate heist.
1: Now, to remind you, taking their horde just removes your lair actions. That's still an ancient dragon. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but yeah, that could be that would if you wanted to build like a one shot around that, that would be very fascinating. You know, it'd be like Ocean's Eleven.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you were describing about like oh, most of the values in the pillars, and so yeah, I'm yeah. imagining all the intricacies like with Brad Pitt and George Clooney are talking to each other, and then it's like, well, what do you mean? Isn't the gold there? And it's like, no, 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 it's the pillars, you see. And it's like, and then that's why uh-huh. we have this guy sneak in through the portable hole on the roof and then start to d- undo the
1: columns. The 40-foot tall, 20-foot round columns. We got to remove them and then... We, we open can... the arcane
0: gate underneath the columns. so then it just goes into yeah. the astral sea.
1: Yeah. All that to say, treasure is really important to a dragon, including Daisy. And yes. she definitely would be hiring players to help her acquire... Uh, important pieces for her collection and dragons do have treasure preference they all love coinage obviously Mm -hmm. but they often their personalities dictate what types of treasure they like and since daisy takes the form of an aldatu i think she would have a particular interest in religious artifacts
0: Ooh, okay interesting yeah and is that like a family thing or is that like he's formed it on her own
1: well so silver dragons are again benevolent they're more likely to dragons don't typically worship gods they're not from Toril although Bahamut is and Tamara are platinum dragons that did achieve godhood though uh, dragons themselves are typically not the w- worshippers but I don't know, maybe she's interested in becoming a god herself she's inspired by Bahamut And uh, thinks that if she can acquire enough power, divine power, that she can, if she surrounds herself with religious artifacts, maybe people, kobolds at first, but then Mm. later other people will come around and start deifying her. So maybe her goal, her hope is to become a benevolent demigod or even like a lesser god
0: oh my gosh sorry no just uh i'm thinking of this if she you know she's a teenager and if she gets swayed by the wrong people it's not a like a a benevolent thing of like oh i'm learning about religion and all these uh artifacts and stuff like that because i really want to aspire to this thing in a positive way someone bends her ear the wrong way and and with a teenager brain and suddenly it's like Mm -hmm. prosperity gospel sort of nonsense
1: I mean, it's she in her heart. She's like, if I get the power of a god, she's a teenager, right? Right. Then I can help mortals more because then Mm -hmm. I could answer their prayers. They're so lucky to have me but yeah you're right she would be very impressionable like and a devil could potentially manipulate her disguise themselves if they can outlet her because she is only a teen
0: yeah. uh
1: which in dragon years is like between the ages of five and a hundred or something like that right but still in the grand scope of dragonhood
0: the quarterback in the high school boarding school is like <laughs> hey i think it'd be really cool if you did these like mean things oh sure yeah i'll do that and Yeah, Or these bad ideas
1: trick her into acquiring artifacts that are dangerous.
0: Mm, Yes, the book of vile darkness.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But this so this actually makes her a potential NPC for good players and evil players, too, because it could be the evil players are attempting to corrupt this dragon by helping her air quotes helping her. Uh, implanting ideas of grandeur and pushing her along i don't i don't know how corruptible dnd alignment is kind of interesting like the good dragons are good and the bad dragons are bad i kind of like it to be a little bit more flexible than that like mm-hmm. the metallic dragons have personality traits but they're still like unique they're individuals sure. and you could have a, a jackass silver dragon
0: <laughs> sure yeah and a teen, you know, so the teens are still learning, you know, they're still not mm-hmm. fully actualized uh, adults in mm-hmm. society. So as we're thinking on uh, these ideas, I think it is always helpful for NPCs if we can kind of summarize them in three adjectives. So what three adjectives okay. would you choose to describe Daisy?
1: I would choose glamorous, like, you know, G-L-A-M. <laughs> uh, <laughs> O U S, yeah she's definitely about the flossy flossy so glamorous ambitious and what is the word to describe somebody who doesn't think that they could fall like cocky like they think they're about like they're incorruptible but mistakenly right so they're not bad but you know they're like cocky is the wrong word
0: yeah i was gonna say it's not hubris
1: it's not like she's not self-righteous but she she is like a teenager you know how teenagers think they're invincible
0: right they also think that they're infallible as well so fallible i mean in the regular form of fallible meaning that you fully have the ability to be wrong in things and not correct right. on things
1: right so when she gives quests to the adventurers she'll speak with authority like she knows what's up but you could have her accidentally give wrong information like she wants an artifact she thinks it's better it's used better in her horde it's for the good of everything but she's like missing so much context and information mm. that she's a bit misguided
0: mm. yeah like this artifact is here for a specific reason because it's meant to plug uh this portal to one of the nine realms of hell. Right. And if you remove it, then she doesn't suddenly have the
1: foresight to, to realize that because she didn't bother doing the research because she's mm. a teenager.
0: I'm sorry, I just had to text boys all night long and then listen to the bards.
1: She's got a bronze dragon on in her uh text messages.
0: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and then mom and dad have to come down and be like, Why are your grades failing? Why why are you doing poorly in school?
1: It's just a human wizard. It's not like he knows anything. I'm going to be so much smarter than him in like 200 years. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy look i rolled this is what the dice decided this is what I the dice decided it's <laughs> just
0: getting a little too real it's just you, getting a little too you real
1: you told me it was a trust fund baby okay trust fund baby not my fault
0: <laughs> <laughs> and listeners if this is getting a little too real for you in your life you can just leave us a comment on social media and just let us know how well the dice did this episode so
1: <laughs> uh but what i really like about this concept is that the Dungeon Master now has the tools to have a straightforward, good dragon send you to get artifact, bring back, you get rewarded. Cool. But if they want to add nuance, if they want to, you know, more intense, she Mm. makes mistakes. There is a twist. She was wrong, you know, or you're Mm. evil and you're trying to trick her. You know, there's just a lot of options. You can make her be what you need her to be in Mm. your campaign.
0: Okay. And now we get to go back to some dice rolling, which I know everyone likes to do in this section. So we always like our NPCs to have something cool on them. So what's going to be a valuable item, piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that Daisy would ascribe to? And this is a combination. So we're going to do a D4 for the category and then a D6 for the particular thingamabob.
1: Okay, before I roll, I just wanted to grace the audience with some dice asmr okay are you ready are you ready sure is my is my microphone picking it up oh yeah yeah okay (laughs) all right (laughs) you're welcome all right i'm gonna roll the d4 i got a two
0: okay so this is going to be a piece of lore and (gasps) now you get to roll a d6 another two another two Okay, interesting. So I think this will definitely uh, feed into what we've already built up, but your answer was provided by previous guest Brian Rose. Daisy knows the location of a well-renowned weapon. So maybe Mm. perhaps like some kind of Holy Avenger-esque sort of a thing.
1: Yeah, that's like perfect. Because she'd be like, hey, I know where this Holy Avenger weapon is. Go get it for me. Exactly. Perfect next to my Chanel bag. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to like just vaguely say a weapon or do you want to like actually describe what this weapon is we could describe it yeah if you want okay daisy knows the location of the holy moon scythe of the goddess saluna used by her warrior a famed a very famous warrior who met their unfortunate end due to a Love triangle thing, and in her final resting place, her famed scythe was laid to rest, entombed for the last 2,000 years. And that's mm. like so romantic. And I would love to have that in my bedroom, it'll bring me good luck when it comes to love. <laughs>
0: So this is like the one obscure thing she picked up from one of her history classes. And she's like this, this is the thing that I need. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She heard about it. She heard about this like warrior of Saluna who fell in love with, I almost said like a, a dark justiceer of sharp, but I've been playing too much Baldur's gate. So I'm not trying to like let that bleed into hey, but maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe there was a, a love affair between a follower of, a, a Saluna and a follower of Shar, and it caused it led to the death of this warrior for unimportant reasons. And so when she was laid to rest, they laid her famous scythe, bathed in the moonlight of the goddess. And it's silvery and Daisy loves silveriness because she's a silver dragon. Mm-hmm yeah so she'll like talk about this lore too maybe if you ask her about it she like knows all the details she like read about it and mm-hmm. writes fanfic about it all the time <laughs> i write
0: epic <laughs> poems about it in my spare yeah. time
1: she's written a song about it
0: i had a bard melody. play it up in the you know one of the fancy pubs in Waterdeep. it's all the rager
1: yeah, it suspiciously sounds like My Immortal from Evanescence, but we're not going to talk about that.
0: Oh my gosh, Daisy sounds like someone who would totally listen to Evanescence. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, if yeah, uh, to the younger viewers. Uh, in Back in, in our the-
0: days, there was a band called Evanescence.
1: Amy Lee was so pretty. I wanted to be her.
0: <laughs> Girls wanted to be her. Men wanted to be her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, so this is cool. Yeah, so get get the Holy Scythe uh, from the tomb. Okay, yeah. yeah what,
1: what would it be called? What's like a the Silvery Scythe? No, that's so cheesy. Uh. Yeah, sure. The Holy Scythe. I was going like, to come up with an amazing name for it. You know what I do as a DM when I need to come up with a name of something on the fly? Because mm-hmm. I roll a die. And then I use that die to determine which of my players, and then I put them on the spot and I just say, Yo, what's its name? And then I write, and that's its name. That's the name for the rest of the campaign. Oh boy. (laughs) Well, if you
0: don't want to put that much pressure uh, on your players on the spot, certainly, you know, a dungeon master or a player character who's going to use this npc daisy and their backstory can maybe perhaps come up with a name see i was thinking of like luna something or you know i would usually take the concept and maybe translate it in a different language and manipulate it a little bit in that way so it has like some sort of tangible realness to Ooh. it
1: what about like the crescent blade because it's a scythe and the crescent, crescent blade
0: yeah because people are like oh blade. crescent blade that's gonna be like a cool axe or sword or something like that the and they get there edge the crescent's edge. I like it. Yeah, because people are gonna be like, "Oh, that sounds like a heavy metal hammer." Maybe not a hammer, but a scythe or uh, a sword or something like that. And if they get there and she hasn't told them, they're like a scythe. Like, wh- really? Do th- this?
1: Do you think it'd be like a two-handed scythe, like Grim Reaper, big? Like, wha- or do you think it would be like a like a hand scythe?
0: Maybe like a hand scythe. You know, because it's kind of like maybe kind of like Moon Knight in that way. uh You know, just like okay. handheld and, and personal up close.
1: Yeah, and it would be like a magical weapon, too, to have features, like, depending on, like, the waning or waxing of the moon, it has Mm -hmm. different phases, like, when it's, yeah, that would be neat, it has, like, different properties based on whether it's waxing, waning...
0: And does it do a moon night or a Sailor Moon-esque sort of transformation when you uh, possess the weapon and you're properly oh attuned my to gosh. It?
1: When <laughs> it? When it when so it starts at the new moon phase, and then it's like the, the space between the blades starts to fill up with light. And mm-hmm. once it becomes a full moon, you use an action and it transforms your outfit into something super slinky. And then you just have moon beams pop it out of all your spaces and <laughs> for like a few rounds you're super saiyan this is a very legendary weapon guys sure this of course yeah, of course level. this is why
0: she needs you to go do it because it's yeah. been like resting for 2000 years in some sort of monster trap infested uh
1: yeah like tomb. the dungeon the dungeon of the sailor moon <laughs>
0: <laughs> the moon sailor
1: <laughs> yeah oh my gosh how? Do, where has this evolved yep. I love it <laughs> then that's what you can get with a few
0: dice rolls yep and and the the banter between two people
1: i did not (laughs) expect to be making a lunar celestial npc when i thought dragon when i thought dragon i was like okay we're gonna get like black dragon who's like really into the mud and the swap and poison and (laughs) but here we are daisy yep
0: and you may have already alluded to it earlier of what you're thinking that this particular quest is going to be and if you want to stick with that that's fine we also have the ability to randomly generate a side quest if you want to roll the last dice, which is Absolutely. going to be
1: a D12. I like rolling dice, so we're going to do that. Um, okay, I have my D12. That's a six.
0: Okay, interesting. And you can tell me if you like this or not, uh, but this response was provided by previous guest, Legal Kimchi. Assassinate a government official and blame someone else for it.
1: Okay, hold on. We can work with this. We can work with this.
0: Oh, you do want to work with this.
1: Absolutely. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, repeat that. Uh, Assassinate a government official and then blame who on it?
0: Blame someone else for it. Frame the assassination on someone else.
1: Okay. So obviously the government official has to be corrupt. Sure. Is this a quest to get the weapon or is this something its own thing?
0: It could be its own thing. Or if you want to make the two together.
1: Let's address it as its own thing, and if we can tie it in the end, we will. Sure. Maybe she finds that uh, she found out that her boarding school headmaster, Mm -hmm. who is like on the board of education for the city of Waterdeep, or wherever she's going Mm -hmm. to school, Baldur's Gate, he (laughs) is actually in league with some devils from the third layer of hell, and Mm -hmm. uh, he needs to go.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, she's a silver dragon, so naturally she's yeah. going to take it upon herself to get yeah. this done.
1: And she's going to have you pin it on another corrupt official who they fa- famously butt heads. Mm-hmm. They're like rivals with each other, but they're both like one deals with devils. The other one deals with maybe like ginny or mind flares like they're against each other so she could get you to assassinate one and pin it on the other so he has to go to jail clean up the city
0: interesting okay the only way that i could think to tie them in aside from knowing about the location of this well-renowned weapon would be like if they're hoarding or hiding information on the magic item
1: i actually have an idea (laughs) the official who has made a deal with the devil Mm mm-hmm is unkillable except if the blow is made with a weapon that is fits the description of the crescent's edge
0: Mm. so you have
1: to get the crescent's edge in order to commit the assassination
0: interesting
1: he's like immune to everything except for divine power that has slumbered for a thousand years and that's the only one she knows about
0: interesting okay yeah yeah oh man yeah so obviously being a headmaster of this boarding school and probably not trying to do anything to arouse suspicion yeah it's like why would anyone know that this guy can't be killed unless he's like doing really shady things working in this secret society or whatever trying to undermine Waterdeep or whatnot
1: yeah i think you'd have to like get the information like first you'd have to discover that they're immortal like maybe you're given the information they're immortal we don't know why do some reconnaissance to figure out what his weakness is and then you can send them on a quest to discover the weakness whether it's like eavesdropping on a conversation with him and his devil patron or finding the documentation like something you'd have to figure out or maybe you actually contact the devil and are able to like figure out how to get information like what are the bounds of this contract i can offer you something in exchange for information on the terms and service of your little thing yeah it could be oh this sounds like a whole campaign holy crap it's not a one-shot anymore it's a it's a whole side quest
0: yeah for sure assassinating it's a government official who's on the board for the
1: board of education board of education
0: that oversees this uh, boarding school that daisy attends Mm -hmm. yeah so with that in mind what's going to be the reward for success in this side quest
1: ah i mean obviously she has a whole horde for you to choose from but if you roll high enough on your persuasion you can persuade her to lend you the crescent's edge because you're gonna die before she even hits adulthood so she doesn't need it right now you can just borrow mm. it
0: <laughs> interesting yeah and she has you like write up a contract or something like that
1: oh she'll come get it from you when you do she'll just come
0: get it like oh you're on your deathbed of natural causes and she's there like yeah i'm gonna take this back now like really yeah
1: she just shows up and she's like thanks <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's like I'm in my dying moments here. Could you just afford a little bit of respect for me in my final moments, please?
1: Right, and even if, like, if you really, you could just hand wave it and say she puts a spell on it that the moment you die, it disappears and reappears back in her hoard. I'm sure there's sure. magic like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. She, she puts lend a little you. like tracking
0: thing on it. Yeah, so yeah. it's like
1: so she can lend it to you this wonderful magic item,
0: legendary magic item.
1: Yeah, Sailor Moon.
0: Or Moon Knight if you, I mean, you could be okay. I saw the cosplay where they did Sailor Moon Knight, which was pretty cool.
1: Is that when she's like in full plate?
0: I think it was someone at a Comic-Con somewhere and they combined Sailor Moon with Moon Knight. And so it was a Sailor Moon outfit that looked like Moon Knight. So Sailor Moon Knight. Yeah. Perfect. If you wanted to do that, or if you just want to go straight Sailor Moon, or if you just want to go straight Moon Knight, either or, you can't go wrong.
1: I would phrase it in the magic item description that when the whatever stipulations you put on pushing the phases of the moons, whether it's every turn it changes or every time you do damage with it, it changes. Once it hits full moon, you enter an avatar mode. The appearance of the avatar mode is up to the person wielding it, but Mm there is a transformation. They look more celestial, their clothing changes, and then they get access to certain actions for like a minute
0: there you go and
1: yeah it'd be like a really fun like building building up the power so that they Mm -hmm. can unleash it
0: okay so we know the reward but we also have to consider what's going to be the consequence of refusing the call to the adventure or failure in the quest
1: i would say the reason she wants to take out this member of the board of education is he is doing something shady in the school Mm. like affecting the students this and that's how this whole thing starts like students are being transformed or being mm. sacrificed oh yeah well i mean if he made the, a deal
0: with the devil for invulnerability to pretty much everything he probably has to like cough up a, a student yeah. so there's a rise in student mortality and it's like oh we're very sorry here the at water deep boarding being, school like,
1: sacrificed so uh very yeah. horror movie-esque yeah yeah so if you do nothing then a bunch of students die
0: Okay, so that's refusing, but then as far as failure is concerned, so is there a different set of circumstances if they, through the course of everything, somehow manage to fail assassinating, or they fail in their attempts at switching the blame on the other corrupt person? Then
1: they would be blamed, and then they would probably face the executioner's block.
0: Or just, you know, jail. Or go to jail.
1: I don't know. I don't know how intense your game is.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah.
1: You killed somebody. I don't know if Waterdeep has the death penalty.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, we might have to call Ed Greenwood and see if he wrote that into the lore or not.
1: <laughs> or uh maybe the devil that had own the soul of the one you assassinated is like, ah, there's a clause in my contract that if someone should terminate the original signer of the contract before the contract has been fulfilled, that the contract is now on you. And now you are bound to me and I am your warlock patron.
0: Oh, so someone now inadvertently becomes uh, Mm -hmm. a warlock.
1: Yeah, you just multiclass into warlock. And now you have to fulfill this devil's will else ye be turned into a lemure mm. and put on the front line of the blood war in the nine hells.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's put, so put a ticking clock on it and then the players have to you know if they want to go devil hunting devil smiting if you will or anything like that. Do a whole Diablo thing and we're just going to storm into the nine circles of hell. Do the Descent in Avernus thing.
1: Yeah. Now you got to fight demons. Doom-slash.
0: Yeah, that whole thing.
1: Wait, oh, so sorry. Uh, Gordon <laughs> is a favorite of mine.
0: What are the goals and motivations of Daisy as a character?
1: I think that's pretty self-explanatory. She is a dragon. She's a young dragon. Her goal would be to establish her horde and eventually establish a lair. That usually doesn't happen until they're an adult dragon, but they get start building a horde early. And it would just... That would be it'd be pretty straightforward, really. Just mm-hmm. get a horde,
0: and you were imagining the swankiest of swanky pads in the
1: oh yeah
0: downtown of uh, Waterdeep. So
1: funny is a swanky pad in Waterdeep is still probably nothing compared to the potential of a an adult or an ancient dragon when it comes to how fabulously wealthy they are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she would have a pad in downtown. Uh, pretty spacious windows that look over the city she's remember she's a trust fund baby so Mm -hmm. even though she hasn't established her hoard fully she's still living off of mommy and daddy's uh silver
0: i'm just imagining like some of these accounts on instagram where it's like look at my luxurious apartment
1: she absolutely has an instagram account
0: She has the D&D equivalent of an Instagram account. She does paid sponsorships.
1: Yeah, she is a socialite. I think she'd be pretty popular. Now, as a silver dragon, I feel like she would engage in a bit of philanthropy, but it's mommy and daddy's money, so she has to like she hasn't gotten her own wealth in order. She'll she'll do like charity, but more it's more about like convincing other people to donate mm. <laughs> to certain causes. But she is still a silver dragon. Silver dragons are um altruistic despite being fairly vain and still think they're better than everyone else. So I think she's she wants to be good. She wants to be seen. But again, she's young. So
0: she just hasn't gotten that life experience.
1: She's bedazzled by the adoration. So she mm. makes appearances at soup kitchens and at like homeless shelters and orphanages.
0: Well, maybe she goes to the temples and stuff like that. She's so interested in religious artifacts and stuff like that. So she goes to Bahamut's temple, being from the Catholic world. We try and be authentic and real, but sometimes there are those accounts that are like, quote unquote, rad trads.
1: She'd be too proud of her cleavage, though, to like be that trap <laughs> mm. like she's not dressed like a nun she's like wearing a little mini skirt and like the white top with her nails done and like the glittery highlighter and her hair has silver highlights but she does donate she does go to hang out again dragons are not religious even though in Bahamut is a dragon god the lore is really wild the the dragons and the gods appear apparently did, fought a lot and the world was split into two and mm-hmm. then yeah it, it's a whole thing it's a whole thing most dragons are not religious they're too individual they're too vain they don't really worship gods they know gods exist but they would rather be worshipped as a god that's what kobolds worship dragons mm, yeah. a lot but she would appreciate the art that religion and i think she aspires to be venerated and that's why she does show up and do you know philanthropy because she wants to get the cred
0: Mm. now i'm just imagining these poor clerics and acolytes that are like please you need to there's a dress code that we enforce here you, you can't make it all about you we are actually here in fact to have religious services, <laughs> can you please not make it all about you, please?
1: Personally, I like—I see uh, the religion in D D is not being so much purity culture and all of that. Uh, sure, yeah. Because I I like to design cute outfits for my characters, even my religious ones. <laughs> sure, yeah. But yeah, I think maybe her definitely like ostentatiousness. And trying to get like all the cred would Mm -hmm. be distracting for sure.
0: But then again, you may have those, uh, you know, and maybe it's not Bahamut and she's visiting other temples and stuff. And so they're like, look, we know it's Daisy she's gonna do it maybe not necessarily for the right reasons but you know she's bringing people into the service they're helping out i guess in the the local communities of
1: Tamara. she goes to all the more yeah i think that she's on good uh terms with most of the upper plains gods uh as far as a dragon is concerned but she is young she thinks she knows more than she knows Mm. yeah she's a teenager she thinks she's invincible
0: yep Okay,
1: and she thinks. I think another personality quirk. She believes with her whole heart that everybody loves her.
0: Mm, yeah, so even those acolytes and nuns and brothers and friars and whatnot, you know, maybe like you know, no, this is too distracting. You're not getting the point of this. And then she's like, well, you know, they're they're just great and all this stuff.
1: They all love me. I feel like they would be a little afraid to tell her anything because she is a drag.
0: Sure, sure.
1: She has more hit points than they do. Like, and she has a breath weapon. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I don't know if they would say it to her face, but they might take yeah. that
0: into prayer or something like that. And they'll just yeah. be like, you know, this is something that I struggle with.
1: I think other dragons think she's obnoxious.
0: Mm. That's other. oh, that's how much of a teenager. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think other because dra- I don't think I don't think mortals understand. Dragonness, like maybe wizards, you know, the learned, the scholars, they understand how dragons work. Mm-hmm. Your average person has no idea. It, a dragon is like, dragon.
0: Yeah. So, especially if she's, if she's in this half celestial form, probably most people are going to be like startled and like, oh, there's an actual angel here. Like, you know, maybe yeah. like, afraid to approach her in the temples or whatever. Cause they're like, just give her a wide berth, let her have her yeah. space, don't disturb her focus on what's going on
1: do you think maybe she goes from like church to church to give like little talks on how to say positive and
0: maybe maybe
1: <laughs> she yeah she goes around she gives motivational speeches in her um aldatu form maybe mm. that's why she has an aldatu form it's for like the theatrics of it
0: yeah yeah certainly people are more likely to pay attention to you if you're like this half celestial sort of creature that isn't witnessed every day yeah
1: yeah and i think that people when they don't know who she is really they're like totally starstruck by her but like an adventuring party around fifth or sixth level would be like oh it's like a half celestial interesting oh it's a a a young dragon interesting so they might not be as bedazzled but they would be willing to like like who doesn't want to work with a dragon
0: And then how do these goals and motivations of Daisy affect her general personality?
1: How do her goals affect her personality? Mm, I think that while she tries to maintain a veneer of righteousness, she would probably be impatient with anyone wasting her time. She doesn't feel the need to convince anybody of anything because she's pretty confident. So like if players are trying to negotiate with her, or, mm-hmm. you know, how? okay, we all know those players who you present to them, the NPC with a quest and the players like to get snarky and like to try and talk circles around your NPCs. And you as the DM are like, would you just, just just, take the f- quest. I think that if she were to be like, if people were trying to leverage additional pay or question her or try to w- walk circles around her, she would be impatient with that and just hand wave it and be like, okay, you're obviously not. The group that I thought you were, uh, have a good day, have an ice water on your way out. Like, she doesn't have time for whatever. She's willing to pay handsomely who will help her because she has that ability. And she will accept any of your compliments. But if you act like you're not impressed or if you try and like gain leverage, she won't like that. And she probably would just disengage
0: and then how do you see her normally interacting uh, with different kinds of people? Is she going to be the same across the board? Or does she have nuance depending on who exactly she's talking to, like friends and family versus peers versus her parents versus rivals if she has those at school and stuff like that
1: i think nuance is obviously is definitely the best way to go with common people she is going to try and be look as fabulous as possible but also come off as generous as possible because she's trying to build that like persona with her peers maybe she would just have kind of like a little bit of rivalry like oh, well i volunteered at the orphanage this many hours with her betters i think it depends with her parents she's definitely like mommy daddy <laughs> she loves her parents
0: i need more money for tuition it's gotten really expensive
1: i need more money well they're paying for her tuition but i need more money to go shopping (laughs) (laughs) i want to go to the villa on the weekend you know like Mm -hmm. she definitely is like that it would take an entire podcast to flesh out her parents personality so we're not going to do that we'll just assume they're there to give her what she needs so she's very Sweet, but in a icky kind of way with her parents. Let's see. Yeah, again with rivals, I don't think she is, uh, she's not malicious. She does think she's better than everyone. Maybe she pities people. Like what she just kind of, if, if someone is just not getting along with her, she'll just kind of like flippantly be like, oh, I feel so sorry for them. You know, mm. they don't, they're not in the light, they don't understand. Uh, so I think she frustrates others more than they frustrate her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like.
1: I wonder, though, I think there's an important thing. I don't know who her hero would be.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: I think everyone needs a hero, right? Everyone has somebody that they aspire to be like, and that might be tricky.
0: I know we said earlier, maybe Bahamut, if she was inspired by that
1: maybe she is inspired by bahamut like maybe she actually does feel a connection like i know i keep saying that dragons are not He's religious my great
0: great 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 grandfather
1: i mean well isn't bahamut the father of like all metallic dragons i don't know my bahamut lore very well
0: i think so there's like a uber dragon and then like Bahamut and tiamat and then maybe the, another one are supposed to be siblings
1: you know what? Okay, your viewers are going to correct me on this. So, uh, viewers, I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. I've only been playing d d since 2019. The
0: secret is we make it all up as we go along anyway.
1: I love lore, though. I love getting the lore right. Okay, I'm pretty sure that Bahamut and Tiamat are the parents of all dragons. And their first child was Sia... It's a name I can't pronounce because I don't have it in front of me. Is the ruby dragon the The creator of the gem dragons who is currently destroyed so i think all dragons are literally from bahamut and tiamat i think that daisy would look up to bahamut because he is celestial he is divine he has a realm in mount celestia he walks among the mortals and you know all this stuff maybe she's met him a few times
0: oh there you go well being a trust fund baby he's shown up at like all the events uh you know when she was growing up or whatever
1: or so the thing about bahamut i don't think he does that he's like he hangs out with like common folk a famous bit of lore about bahamut is he often takes the form of a mortal a unseeming mortal whether it's an old man or a young and he's always accompanied by 10 canaries little birdies who are gold dragons in disguise uh, mm. a lot of people love that little bit of lore so maybe she like bumped into him she like obviously recognized him and it was just really inspiring how he inspired the people around him they all mm. looked up to him even though he was kind of humble and she just yeah so maybe she does even though yeah. she has this haughty teenagery thing she is all about bahamut thinks he's super dope not in a worshiper god sort of dynamic because again dragon but that's like her hero like Mm -hmm. she is definitely influenced by him
0: Although I like to imagine a party that works really hard with her and maybe not the more self-interested aspect, and maybe they do convince her, like, you know, you got to serve someone. And if you're not picking a god to serve, you're basically only going to serve yourself and, you know, live a hollow sort of existence. So maybe actually turning to vomit as your lord and savior may not be a bad thing after all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually I love the idea that and I like to do this with my NPCs. Their end story is not written. The players affect the direction they go. So Mm -hmm. that by keeping that open ended, that could be you could make her more diligent in her following of Bahamut. Or you could just help her steal the Crescent's Edge and murder her headmaster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That too. Uh does uh Daisy have a particular accent or language uh she speaks with? Are there any idiosyncrasies in how mm. she acts? I mean, I know we're doing like affectations of like a typical teenager, but is that how we're imagining her talking?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I guess so she's living in Waterdeep. The only character canonically that I know is from Waterdeep is Gail from Baldur's Gate 3, and he just has a very British accent. <laughs> Okay, but she's also a dragon. So I wonder if uh, using an exotic accent or a different accent Mm -hmm. rather would help differentiate her. I'd have to think about that. I think she would. Hmm.
0: What's more exotic than the UK? (laughs) it's like siberian or like cajun french or what you know something like that
1: (laughs) honestly my advice when it comes to using accents and voices for dms is use what you know you don't have to use an accent if you don't know how to do accents and be respectful if you do choose to use an accent so i feel like that's really just up to the dm i think though that beats you would like checks you would be would sound very posh mm-hmm. and sound rich mm. <laughs> i think yep. whatever because that could translate to so many different things right it could be, sure
0: depending on which culture you associate with posh and rich
1: exactly just yeah so you can just push on posh i think that would be like the wisest way to tackle that
0: What impact has Daisy made on the world? How has she shaped the local area?
1: Oh, so I think that she does tons of philanthropy. philanthropy. So she probably has made a small impact. You know, she reads to orphans. She probably meets with wealthy individuals in the city to convince them to invest in different charities. Maybe Mm -hmm. she works with charities Like she's an actual liaison With charities because she has so much charisma Dragons have so much charisma Mm -hmm. So she goes on behalf of certain charities You know like Orphans of Waterdeep Or Mm -hmm. Education For Orphans of water. I don't know. The widow's
0: fund or something like that.
1: Yeah. So she works with them and goes to galas and events and convinces the patrons of the city to donate to different charitable causes. And she is given lots of lavish gifts for her work and effort.
0: Mm-hmm. Which adds to her hoard
1: exactly, like they like she wants this for her hoard, right like mm-hmm. she gets she gets product all the time, but that 's like her pretty much most of what she does, I think is not only does she attend a school of magic but she uh, uh goes to events that are charitable, like nonprofits and charity are like her main thing, and mm. that might be actually where the players would meet her would be at like a, a gala. charity ball or a gala yeah. uh she's like they're introducing people and meeting with people and and i think that eventually as she grows in her own wealth she would then become a patron of different charities like or maybe if she already has a wealth the charities are coming to her and she's donating to these different charities it depends on where she is in her journey
0: does daisy have any current problems that prevent her from being a bigger player on the stage is it her age is it what she's doing with her schooling and or is it something else?
1: I think, yeah, her age and just lack of resources. Mommy and daddy only pay for so much. She needs to make her mark as a dragon. She needs her own horde. She needs her own lair. And until she gets those things, she can only influence others. She can't do her thing.
0: Well, it sounds like we've learned a lot about Miss Daisy here that I think it's time we throw her into a random encounter. (music) This random encounter is brought to you by my partner, Zencaster. Now, if you had asked me, how do you even begin to start a podcast years ago when I first began with Blank Tape and then the very early portions of Psychics and Psychos, I would have told you, man, I don't know, me and my best friend just kind of had to figure it out together and we found um, a podcasting platform we liked and you know, it took us years to figure out how to learn the ins and outs of it to make it work for us. Uh, the best that we could and you know we had to cobble a bunch of different uh, tools and systems together in order to get a smooth quality and everything like that and man if I had known that Zencaster was a possibility years ago I definitely would have jumped at the chance to just do the entire podcast and everything from ground up with Zencaster. it's so easy it's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser and you start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests, which is great if you're going to do the combination RSS feed as well as YouTube. Feel a sense of Zen knowing ZenCasters multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality possible, even if the connection is unstable, which I can guarantee myself having come across this a couple of times. It's really great that the system is able to back up the recordings, so if you have a mild panic of like, oh no, my internet hiccuped on me a little bit, well, you can always go back in. You're like, oh, thank goodness that ZenCaster was here to record them all, so... It's an all-in-one service. If you have ever thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services like I did in my early days, those days are done. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code SIDEKQ podcast, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all of my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So I hope that you out there in podcast land, you're going to be inspired now. You're going to take this chance. You're going to take this sign, and you're going to go now and start your own podcast using Zencaster. And before you know it, you'll be a pro like me. So thank you so much to the sponsor. Be sure to go in the show notes in order to get all that information. And without further ado, back to the podcast. So the random encounter is a uh, point in the show where we like to do a little bit of a role play, a vignette, a scene, a slice in the life of Daisy, the silver dragon, aldatu, trust fund, baby teen. I think I said all that right. Um, I think you got it right. Yeah. So the question becomes, what kind of scene are you interested in showcasing her often? Is this going to be her meeting one of the podcast NPC characters? Is it her having a a flashback scene with her parents before she goes off to school? Is it like a day in the life of Daisy in class? Or whatever kind of scene you're interested in, what Mm. you think would showcase Daisy the best?
1: Oh my. I think perhaps the meeting the players potentially
0: uh, a podcast adventurer character and then be able to give the side quest that way you think
1: yeah i think she would well here let's see i think that it would be at said gala okay socializing
0: and then that's where she'll meet the she'll char-
1: approach the character and offer a quest
0: and based on what we've learned I mean, I'm happy to give you the entire selection of characters that have been made on this show, but I actually have a strong feeling of maybe who might actually be able to do the best with this. I'll go through the whole list, and then I'll tell you who I think is the best. So of the characters that have been made on this podcast, we have Duncan, the recklessly brave adventurer for hire, happy-go-lucky, no task too small, no feat too daring. We have Sonia, the warrior woman, who multiclassed into a paladin, who serves to redeem the undead we have korak the lawful evil arcane trickster roguish dwarf we have chrisley the herbalist botanist wood elf druid who then multiclassed into a cleric to become a priestess of the living memory we have orion who's the astral elf illusionist wizard and then we have agape who is the lilac colored tiefling Wild magic sorcerer that's like Feywild inspired, who just multiclassed into a arch fey warlock who,
1: pact. Oh, Sorry, I was gonna I say, to th- who just multi to an arch fey? Holy crap!
0: <laughs> arch fey pact uh, <laughs> of a it, warlock. And so, those are the wow, I guess, seven characters that have been created on the podcast. Listeners, keen listeners, super duper awesome listeners, which I know is everyone, but if people remember our episode that we did with Moose who was the dressmaker of the Feywild, her reward was that she made you a special dress that could just transform magically into this cool ballroom thing. And since you were talking about like, oh, they should meet at the gala, I was like, well, Sonia has like an amazing dress that she made because she successfully helped out in that random encounter for that particular character. And so I thought maybe Sonia might be a good choice, but maybe one of the other characters speaks to you and you think it would be better if one of those other characters showed up
1: funnily enough the one that caught my attention for this the one that daisy would hone in on
0: mm-hmm.
1: sounds like duncan oh really Duncan said no task too too small or too great mm-hmm. and our dear daisy is looking for someone she can send on a very dangerous task I don't know how Duncan arrived at this gala, but I think she would he would stick out like a sore thumb, which is why she would notice him as she's trying to like finesse a an older couple over some. She's like standing by the hors d'oeuvres, chit chatting Mm -hmm. uh, potential patrons to a charity that she's representing, kind of sloshing around her little uh, martini glass. She old enough to drink. <laughs> she's a dragon teenager, but she's probably like 57, 58. You mm. know? She takes the form of a younger girl. She had to get carted at the door. They're like, mm, okay, yeah. fine. She's like, she's like, I'm a <laughs> dragon. Uh, she's going to be like holding her glass, talking, laughing loudly at their jokes. She's like, <laughs> and then she'll kind of like glance to the side and make eye contact with duncan but what does she see
0: sure yeah so where we last left our hero duncan he was finishing up in the mines in the underground in the uh in the dungeon complex uh because he met rosewald daybrace and finn wheatley and Aureli, who were the goblin siblings who had opened up their little uh, safe zone in the dungeons and so after duncan had completed uh that adventure found himself Back in, I think it was the Royal City nearby, we'll say is where this uh, gala event is being held and where this prestigious Magic Academy is and such. Yeah, Duncan found, because of his success on his recent adventures, was politely given this invitation to attend, very hastily get some nice clothes put together. So he kind of looks, he definitely looks out of place because the one thing that gives him away is the loafers he's wearing deer skin loafers with these magic coins in the loafers and for just some reason he just can't quite find the will to actually take them off so he's wearing like a very formal like fitted you know proper gala attire but the shoes are what make him stick out like a sore thumb and he's being polite and He's regaling people with these tales of adventures he's had and stuff like that. And he's just like, oh, I'm just so happy to be here. And this is really polite and nice that the city, uh, you know, that I got this invitation from so-and-so to be able to attend this event. And So then I guess he looks over and he sees this uh, half celestial kind of staring him down, whether that is just purely being a teenager and doing her thing. Maybe he at first interprets it wrong as like, She's trying to be flirtatious with him and he doesn't know how to react to that or something. But I guess he'll just kind of like be like, "Uh, hello, nice to make your acquaintance.
1: She would she would kind of saunter over and she would notice his loafers. She would have overheard his boasting of adventurous tales and she would smell the dungeon still left in his scent as a dragon. She is very perceptive and she would just kind of like grab one of the martini glasses off of someone walking by on the tray and and hand it quite the adventurer you are oh
0: oh yes i am and he like very hastily reaches in a pocket of his and he pulls out one of his little business cards that he has and he presents it to her and it's like duncan adventure for hire uh no task too small no feat too daring basically it it notates that he is a patron of the arts of this particular stone cast that has come to some prominence in the local area
1: would she know about this
0: Oh, about the Stonecast? Absolutely, yeah. It's this endeavor of these two Hexblood sibling fantasy game designers who run like Magic Mouth podcasts. And so they plant these Magic Mouths like kind of all (laughs) over the city and the the kids really love it. And they're exploring like game design, but then they're also doing like these thrilling actual play type adventures of several characters. You know, that's part of their meta narrative as they're developing this game and stuff like that. And so the kids love it. The, right. the adults are kind of confused as to what it is, but the kids love. it.
1: So she'll she'll regard this uh, business card and then look back at Duncan, kind of drinking him and tell me, what is the most dangerous thing you've ever done?
0: Oh, the most dangerous thing I've d- ever done. And he has to sit and think, you know, so he starts going off on some of his adventures, talks about. Well, I mean, there was the one time I had to go into the Feywild to go help uh, Lily the Narwhalicorn find her mate. So, like, the Feywild is no—I
1: see. uh, She's going to be like, regarding, like, commenting on everything. I've
0: been to the Forgotten Realms, and uh, I met Jarlaxle, and I met Talon Urin, and uh, you know, and I met—that's where I met Jack Splash, the Manticore, and so he starts going off on all these sorts of adventures, and I even met Professor Hank. At the university, yes, the the poetry professor, who is definitely more than he appears to be, for sure. And you would know that Professor Hank of this university is actually uh, a retired assassin who is actually an emerald dragon uh, at Uh the university. So, yeah, you you are definitely familiar with uh, Professor Hank, whether or not it's the same university or not, maybe an adjoining university somewhere else
1: i love me some emerald dragons um ahem ahem yeah so she would kind of listen to this after he rattles off for a bit too long she kind of will cut in yes Hmm. are you um available for the next i don't know month or so for work of course paid very very well
0: oh uh well uh, well yes of course i mean i'm uh yeah, I know I've only just got uh, just back from my latest adventure, so. Uh,
1: Excellent. Yeah. Well, I happen to have a job for an adventurer who could take on a most mighty of tasks. It involves dungeon delving, intrigue, betrayal, romance, artifacts, and fabulous, fabulous wealth.
0: You see, like his eyes have become like dinner plates. He's just like, "Whoa, this this sounds too good to be true."
1: It is not too good to be true. I assure you. Uh,
0: well, certainly, yes, I can. Uh, he's flabbergasted. He's just kind of like, uh, "Well,
1: she'll she'll pull out her own business card, which is like." very fancy and shiny and perfect font. And
0: he may be more impressed at the business card. He's just like, where did you get these made? Mine look (laughs) like utter rubbish.
1: Secret secrets. Now, if you would love to meet me at my office, I would love to indulge you in the details of this mission. It is of utmost importance. It is religiously significant. And I know of All of the adventurers in this gala, you were the one who stood out to me and caught my eye.
0: Duncan is just beaming with pride at this point. He's just like over the moon. He's over the moon with like the compliments that are being paid paid to <laughs> she, him.
1: Then she would know that she's doing a good job here. She's very practiced at the mm-hmm. flattery. Excellent. I can expect you in the morning at my place. And if you were to ever take into question my character or my background, please ask any of these fine patrons. They will tell you all about the work I do for this city and the work that you will be participating in as a true hero.
0: And maybe as a uh, formal custom and just being polite in this kind of society, whether or not, whatever it may be, I'm thinking like the equivalent of like he goes to like thank her by like kissing her hand and asking her name, whatever that ends up translating into uh, an actual game. But (laughs) basically he wants to be polite and stuff like that and like get her name. But he also wants to show her like respect. And Yeah,
1: she'll kind of like musically giggle or whatever and be like you may call me daisy
0: ah miss daisy yes a fine a fine name for a fine fine woman yes
1: and then as like people are kind of watching because she is known in the circles, she'll kind of like put her arm around him and face force like face him towards the crowd and just kind of like wave a little bit like a photo op kind of thing like yes yes this is my new champion everyone they're like oh
0: well duncan is yeah duncan's even more like wow <laughs> the fates the gods blessed me today with uh where chaos led me as it were because he is kind of like this chaotic good adventurer and he just kind of just kind of rolls with the flow about like where where the story takes him so
1: this is why i picked duncan this is the perfect adventure to send into a death trap of a temple to acquire the crescent's edge in order to assassinate my headmaster
0: Yeah, and so then we'll say that scene fades out with, uh, you know, Duncan being swept up into the the party uh, and the gala, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, and he's just like elated to kind of have some R&R for a while and then maybe a little groggily the next morning, he'll wake up and make his way to Daisy's office to learn more about what's
1: in store for him. Her office is just her flat. She has a little kobold, like, who are you here for? <laughs> Name? <laughs>
0: perfect and seen so there we yeah. go we made it through the random encounter uh so yeah. what did you what did you think of getting to be daisy
1: dude i think she's gonna be in one of my future games
0: i hope so and then people can listen to this episode and find out her origin story
1: that's right i lo- the creation of characters is such a fun little journey
0: mm. <laughs> So yeah, now we're here in the final thoughts section of the show. So we always like to check in with the guests and, you know, how did you feel your time was spent uh, on this podcast?
1: I feel it's been freaking amazing. Obviously love creating. When you have someone else to bounce ideas back and forth off of, I think that you get like a better creation. Like I feel like Daisy, how she ended up is much better having got to brainstorm with you than if I just sat here by myself and started doing it. Because when you're with someone else, you get to ask each other questions and, and trigger a brainstorm. And mm-hmm. I'm just like really happy how this turned out to the fact that like I I want to make fan art of this character now.
0: I would love the fan art. I would love to share that all over the socials. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um yeah, this was a lot of fun. This was I didn't just so the audience knows, I did not have this character in my mind. Before we started the we did start with one parameter and I do think sometimes having a parameter at the beginning is helpful because that way you can kind of like keep things like you're not too spread out. But Mm -hmm. with that one parameter, dragon NPC, dragon quest giver, the dice rolls were able to create such a really interesting and nuanced character.
0: So here in the very final moments of final thoughts, I always like to leave the stage, the microphone, the soapbox, the platform, the what's who's it's over to the guests. So where can people find you online? What are the projects you're working on? Where can we support you? And are there any passions or causes that we need to be made aware of?
1: Okay, you can find me at Scarlet 64 across the board. I live stream my D&D and Pathfinder games on Twitch every Sunday I do Out of the Abyss. It's been a two-year-long campaign that I've been the DM of. I also run one shots throughout the week. Uh, I make content on TikTok and Instagram and all of that. And right now, I am working on something called the Dessert Dragons. It's like a little art project that I'm doing uh it'll be like stickers and stationery, and i'm making stat blocks and an adventure and i don't know what it's it's chaos right now but it, it went viral on tiktok so i'm very excited to get it going
0: miss Scarlett, thank you so much for guesting on the podcast can't wait to have you back on to make even more npcs
1: yeah thank you so much i had so much fun thank you for inviting me
0: thank you for listening to this episode of sidekicks and sidequests Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. If you don't like using podcast apps and services, I'm proud to announce that I'm in the process of uploading the podcast to our very own dedicated YouTube channel, which you can find by searching for Sidekicks and Sidequests. All future episodes should automatically publish to our YouTube channel. Visit our website sidekicksandsidequests.com for links, write-ups of the NPCs and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and the corresponding threads Twitter, now rebranded X, and Reddit by searching for sidekq podcast. You can now also find a very tiny community on Discord as well. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, simply send me an email at sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes. Five stars if you please. To help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. As mentioned in the NPC creation section of the show, I do in fact have a Patreon for the podcast. If you love this podcast and you want to help support us and take our show to the next level, I would appreciate it if you would go to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Modest, comfortable, wealthy, and aristocratic accommodations await, and we welcome all patrons to the Levitating Platter. Seriously, your financial support allows for this passion project to continue to invest in itself through the tools that will take our production to the next level, as well as provide more content for our patrons and the community at large. Please consider supporting me on Patreon if you can. Time Kicks and Side Courses, unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to Rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! 2, Psychics and psycho-